Yeah. Yeah. It was the going on. And I think for about the last week, I've been noticing that I've just been like on my phone and then can't remember why. And then I started to get every time that I went on to specifically Instagram, I, I got a little bit like antsy and I realized it was because, well, for the stuff that I'm doing for work right now, it's, it's all COVID related. So that's pretty intense and heavy. And then the personal stuff was COVID related too. Like people either being super positive, which is awesome, or just whining. And when you see people who are super wealthy, super happy, super safe, whining, I just, I was like, nah, I've got to, I've got to take this off my phone. And so today has been a lovely, shiny, happy day. Welcome to another special edition of Benevolent Banter, IQ, EQ, and CQ, with myself, Cassie Roma, and my good friend, Kasab Naeem. I hope you really enjoy this week's episode. I know that Q and I really enjoyed recording it. We're just going to jump straight in, and as always, we would love your kind and engaged feedback. Thanks, and be well. Have you filled your day otherwise? You've been working today. Strangely enough, most of the speaking engagements that I had booked for IRL all over the world um, have now come into being online. So doing lots and lots of workshops um, globally right now, which is cool. And then also spending a lot of time working with, strangely enough, different destinations like um, Rotorua and a few other places across New Zealand to help their, their small businesses and their tourism operators just figure out what the hell to do with their brands and like how to just put up, I guess, Instagram, LinkedIn profiles, best ways to, to connect. And it's been a lot of fun. Nice. Um, yeah. Any pro tips from all your global workshopping digitally? Pro tips is, um, you know, the hardest thing, the first one that I did, the silence <laughs> was deafening. Yeah. Um, when you're teaching into the fisheye of a computer, I've actually learned to put a tiny little sticky bit of a pink post-it note right above my camera. And I put my eyeline there. Um, One of my friends, Samara works in TV and does TV filming. And she hit me up after a few gins one night and was like, girl, do you want some feedback? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, look, you need to put like a box or something under your computer right now. Mm. And you need that eyeline super high and then bring the camera down. Like, I don't know what you said, a 50 to one ratio. I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I think this is it. Um, having the eyeline ratio has been really good. And then um, I've had a little tutus because it's been around on different platforms. We're doing a lot of Zoom. Yeah. We're doing a lot of Teams, but there's been other platforms where it's, it's just getting like, if you want to raise your hand, send me a raise hand emoji down and it'll pop up at the bottom right. And then I'll, I'll stop at the next place that's stoppable and we'll go through it. Um, nice. Americans. Yeah. Americans want to raise their hands all the time. Kiwis wait till the end. Aussies are kind of in the middle. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so, Standard. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been pretty good, but nice. it's been fun. It's been really good. How about you? Yeah, it's been good. Um, busy. Um, interestingly. Right. Um, there was Tell me initial, about your busy. Yeah, there was the initial brand reaction of like, oh no, what's happening? The sky's falling. What are we going to do? Pull the spend, put spend back, scale it back, do all the things. <laughs> and there was like a lot of that, like week one, week two, as people were kind of getting their feet under them. Um, 
and then started to, I guess, see the shift because, of course, we've talked about the industry thing before. And so some like grocery clients and things like that will be like full noise all the time, still going. Um, and then other brands um, who maybe have um, not quite the same essential status are finding ways of either, um, I guess, sorting out the foundations or infrastructure and a lot of the things that normally get lost in BAU um, or putting in that yes. plan of attack for um, you know, what we've talked about in terms of helping, supporting, or preparing. And so, you know, everyone who can directly help is helping the people who can support people either stuck at home or otherwise indirectly, um, the initiative, um, are doing that and talking about that. And then that third bucket is the kind of infrastructure stuff I was talking about in terms of just preparing or revisiting like the product stack or pricing or anything else in order to be ready for when we come out of this to ensure that we, um, are delivering to what uh, the new world looks like. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I was going to ask you a bit about all of that today because I don't know. Should we just jump right on in? Yeah, might as well. Yeah, we'll just jump right on in. Everybody knows Q. Q, welcome back. Oh, thank you, Cassie. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, that was That was an awesome way to kick this off because it led right into literally my first dot point for you. Um. I don't know if you read, there's been something that DDB put out this morning, and then I saw that the Herald picked it up, and it was about the new numbers being shared by some of the major agencies around like what people actually say, and by people I mean Kiwi specifically, what they say they want from brands, and overwhelmingly, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the cynical person inside of me while I was reading the first three pages where it was like, people want brands to talk to them. People want to hear from their brands. I was like, Oh God, here we go. It's, you know, it's going to be a spend, spend, spend once this is over. But when I read past the headlines, I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool because what they're saying is exactly what you just said is that they do. We do want to hear from brands. We want to hear how you're helping, how you're bridging a gap, um, what you're putting back out into the world and how we can help you to help others. So it's been a really cool little bit of information that's I don't know. It's, it's captured the headlines this morning. So I wanted to know like how brands are doing this that you see, because I know you're super busy. You're full on right now. How are brands doing this in a way that's smarter from a data perspective? How is the, how are we going to be able to, to answer the call of, yes, we want you to engage with us, but to do it in a way from here on out, that isn't just that BAU that is, I guess, smarter with their data. Well, um, that's kind of shown up in a couple ways. One interesting example I really liked um, was looking at that. And, you know, uh, one of our clients, like everybody, was looking around trying to figure out what to do. Um, lots of questions, lots of opinions, lots of waiting and seeing and trying to um, understand what the next government announcement would be and when the next update would be and what the next days of looked at or lockdown looks like. I'm sure they're announcing right now, actually. Um, yeah. But... They um, had an idea about something they could do to support customers stuck at home, um, but it was going to be an investment and come at cost, and they didn't know if people would like it or if it'll come across in the right way in this environment or anything else. And so rather than just kind of debating it for ages or you know giving up and not doing anything, um, where we landed was we launched a very quick and small test to about 10,000 customers. Um, around the offer that they were looking to provide um, to help people while they're stuck in lockdown. Um, 
sent that out, monitored the results, saw what the actual figures looked like and how actual customers had responded. We saw both uptake as well as um, a survey that went out, um, got the MPS impact and all the various considerations and the hard numbers um, to actually inform the decision properly. Um, and based on that, we're able to, in a matter of days, um, determine that it was worthwhile pursuing and that we were going to roll it out to the full customer base um, and did that in the subsequent days, right? So this concept of like rapid um, testing um, to validate a theory or a strategy and then quickly being able to jump into full-scale execution from there. Um, and that's really cool. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, right? Um, especially while uncertainty looms, people aren't quite sure what to do. Um, and no one wants to guess wrong. And so um, in lieu of guessing, there's testing, right? I love that. I love that. Is there, do you think there's space? I, I, first of all, yes to all you just said. Hallelujah. 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 Um, do you think there there's a healthy space for the testing? Because it sounds like what you just said right there was just music to my ears. Because that is, we have this gut feeling. We have this this zeitgeist that's happening, this cultural moment, this thing that is, it is going to change humanity. We're going to actually use the tools we have right now and our guts and our intuition to test it and see if it's right. Mm. That kind of reactivity. Is there room though for just going and, and testing and having a little bit of uncertainty? So you go with, we've got some data now, there's a bit of uncertainty and we are just going to go with it. Is there? Do you think there's space for brands there right now, or is it a time to be safe? Uh, I think you know it always comes down to the two elements um, of risk that I look at, which are what is the likelihood or the probability of um, you know the outcome occurring, and then what is the severity of that risk? You know, in terms of if it actually happens, um, what's the worst that could happen? Um, and so if you combine what's the worst that can happen and how likely is it that that happens, um, you can kind of help set your risk tolerance from there. Um, and so I think it really, it'll come down to the brand, right? And what they're looking at doing and um, what the risk or what they view as a risk um, actually entails um, to see whether, you know, you can get away with a small execution um, and that will temper a lot of the severity of the potential risk um, or whether that you're not in a position to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that leads really well into, cause I was, there was a follow-up question that I had kind of jotted down here that was how can brands learn in real time right now when it comes to both the macro and the micro trends? So say a brand, um, isn't quite sure of their messaging structure or what they want to do, or if they should even put anything out into the wild world that we're all living in, mm. how can a brand harness the data that, that of macro and then bring it really smartly to the micro right now. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah. And I think we, we have to, in a lot of ways, because the data just doesn't exist at a micro level um, for some of the things we look at market trends, um, you know, like finances and things like that. And then even um, the consumer sentiment results we're getting out of like, you know, small sample surveys and things that people are making a lot of assumptions based off of. Um, and, uh, you know, to the point around gut and numbers, I think that there's there's a healthy amount of we're all experiencing this together. So that's the thing, right? Even um, yes. people at big corporates and, you know, uh, around the globe are very much having a similar experience. And so there's an extent to where we can better empathize uh, with customers and consumers and people around the world. Um, and as such, 
you know, we know some truths to be um, self-evident, if you will. Um, and I guess the, the balance between those things um, becomes quite interesting, right? Where it's like, where do you trust your gut and what do you really need to prove out in the numbers um, as you look to navigate the changing landscape? Yeah. Well, first of all, you almost just went all founding fathers on us there. Yeah, I know. Self-evident. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, I got to hit it. <laughs> America, like, do it, do it, do yeah. it. <laughs> um, Four score yeah, and, uh, and yeah, no years ago because we're restarting. We're restarting. Yeah, we twenty twenty didn't happen. Bring on twenty twenty one. No, we're start. That's right. That's right. Um, can't wait for that year, man. Yeah. I mean, we're setting it up I, um, with some pretty high expectations at the moment, though. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with high expectations. When it comes to expectations, do you think that right now, because you're, you're in the, the depths of this, you are working with a lot of different big brands right now. Do you think that there will come a big change or a big, I hate to use the word pivot again, but a big pivot towards a different way of looking at what business objectives are on the whole? You just said, there is a collective empathy now because, and I've seen it here at home watching uh, my wife who's working with um, an, a big company here and their leadership team. Like the second that there was a lockdown, the CEO um, who was giving some daily updates had to then learn how to do that at home. You know, mm. he had to learn how to, to hack together a place to stand. He had to learn lighting. He had to understand uh, sound and all of these production things that probably he could just walk in before he'd been briefed and then it, it went out. So this empathetic side of things, do you think there'll be a more turn towards uh, true human engagement or will there still be a similar world that we're living in when it comes to, to the advertising game? Ooh, good question. Um, I think that the trend was happening with, you know, so that's one of the things people have talked about in the concept of COVID is it, um, creating new behaviors and trends or accelerating changes that were already occurring. And I think to an extent, mm. um, when we look at um, particular, everybody likes to talk about like millennials and centennials and stuff as being this um, more purpose-driven, more kind of um, activist-y, seeking meaning and genuine kind of connections with brands and such. And should that be um, the case, perhaps that's just been accelerated, you know, in terms of the visibility of it. And um, the point we've talked about with um, isolation oddly driving new forms of connection or like deeper yearning for that connection, you know what I mean? Because it's been taken away. And so as we become more connected, um, it's changed the nature of the types of people that we can connect to. So it's not just like our direct contacts anymore and our colleagues and friends and whoever we see on the day to day. Um, it's actually opened up our ability to connect as well as we can with those people with anyone else around the world um, and so I think there's a healthy amount of empathy that hopefully comes across with that yeah I love the the point that you said there about connection because I I've, I've seen so many brands even since the last time we spoke which I think was like 10 days ago just do such an amazing fantastic job at reading the room yeah. getting tonality right at at feeling okay even if it was very uncomfortable to sit in almost this silent chasm of we're going to let the people who are feeding the nation or who are keeping it running right now go we're going to let the government lead on this um, i haven't seen a lot of and i was afraid of this and i know you know the, 
that I thought like this, that we're going to see a lot of sappy, uh, sickly sweet and saccharine style ads just filling ad spaces because they have been booked. And I've been so proud of, of brands and businesses here, especially in New Zealand for not doing that. And I think it's what you said. It's, it's the, the empathy and the compassion, you know, mm-hmm. as, as two almost separate feelings. And then also talking about isolation and, and the idea of connectivity. I know for me, I'm kind of like the tramp on Lady and the Tramp. I like to go to the butcher, see what's up, <laughs> get some spaghetti and meatballs, say hi to my friend. And I am struggling. I'm struggling so much right now. And it's been some of the communications actually from brands. Like I love seeing all birds. Have you seen the recent thing they sent out about um, their global footprint, their carbon footprint? Nope. Fantastic piece of, so data driven visualization smacked right into just an old fashioned EDM that went, Hey, everybody's talking about COVID. We just wanted to talk a little bit about this too. And I thought, wow, that's cool. And I sent it on to some friends and then we connected a bit and I thought, what a magical little moment of brand positivity in in a time where I feel like we should be talking more positive looking forward now. Mm. I agree. Um, and it, yeah, it's really like the quirks that come out of society, people, behaviors, all the different things. Like who would have predicted Zoom backgrounds would have been such an interesting topic for everyone, you know? Um, and that like there'd be all these websites popping up, releasing cute custom backgrounds, and it's become like its own little social phenomenon, right? Um, and yeah, there just feels like there's a lot of little things like that. I was invited to a, like a recipe sharing chain, you know, where it's like, oh. you know, a pay it forward style deal with recipe sharing where like you send a recipe to the people who invited you and then they continue, I don't know, you end up getting a bunch of recipes from people and there's just like all these different little things um, that have kind of surfaced or resurfaced in terms of how people have been behaving um, that I found really interesting. Did you get that recipe chain from your mother or somebody in the States? <laughs> my sister in the States, yes. <laughs> yeah, because I, I got it from my mom back <laughs> home. And I was I emailed her back because I was like, oh my God, this is an old-fashioned email chain. And I could yeah. see it was from her friends, and most of them are in their 70s. And I was like, Mom, I didn't get a recipe. She's like, you did not read the email. You need yeah. to share it back to the first. And I was like, oh, this is a really, really old-school resurgence. And then I thought, yeah. what a cool thing. What if a brand wanted to hop onto that? You know, what if like, um, I don't know, Chelsea Sugar Works or, or a baking brand or, you know, Edmonds could jump in on that and just be really fun, create some interesting, cute content, put that out in the world, make people feel good. So I'm glad I'm not the only American that got hit by that. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious, actually. And then the... Um, the Did you do th- it? I'm not yet. I just got it today. Um, okay. But the, I, and I was like, oh, do I humor? Do I participate? Yeah, probably. We'll see. It's not like I have too much better to do. Um but then that also makes me think like old school email chains. Like remember those stories you used to get all those dumb short stories yes. sent around by like aunts and uncles and different people and like AOL. And it's just like, yeah. Um, I've actually weirdly, I saw, started seeing more of that show up in channels like Instagram, um, like a, yes. a six panel story um, that you like swipe through in the gallery views. Um, and it allows you like, yeah, you can, create narrative right like you can tell a linear narrative and have a cute or inspiring or funny story or something like that manifesting in those channels um it's just a form of entertainment right i guess we had less stuff to watch and read and do back then um when it was all coming through email um but it has it was interesting to see that start showing up again 
in, um, I guess, newer channels. That probably goes back to exactly what you said earlier, and you hit the nail on the head with the fact that because we're isolated uh, for the most part and we're in our little bubbles, that idea of connection and proper connection. So the fact mm. that your sister sent you that, that my mom sent me that, and I've seen the the Instagram stories as well. And I feel like I've also been, I know I might be old, but I've been on the TikTok and people are starting to use the TikTok that way too, you know, yeah. and they're starting to do instead of the little sweet fix, really cute dance moves, which are fire. I should say all of the moms and dads who are doing TikTok with their kids right now are my heroes. Um, but their TikTok is starting to become used like that as well. Little snippets that tell stories about old school email chains and recipes and dial up. But there you can see they're going from like my friend Q to his sister to her friend. And it feels, I don't know, it feels more connected than maybe the big channels have allowed us to be for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it feels quite nice that, and I feel like it's a, it's a good opportunity for brands now to start looking at content and advertising and strategies around how they can, again, help with that. Mm. Totally. Which, yeah, yeah. Which leads me to, um, I wanted to ask you about and get your thoughts on, because I'm always curious to see um, how you see the world in this way, is when we talk about moving forward and we talk about humanity and the change that's going to happen is people keep using the words new normal. And I know the word normal is completely different to all of us and it's it's not a thing but bear with me on this one Mm. let's spitball for a minute (laughs) when we talk about just work and life in general not even our cohort and our colleagues in the advertising industry what do you think the next two to five years might look like for work on the whole now that we all are getting cool with tech now that we can uh, many of us work from home and communicate well here what do you think the world's going to look like million dollar question right um i can't be the only one who's been thinking about that both from um i guess my professional and personal perspective um and looking around to try and get a finger on the pulse as far as either you know a new service or offering or product or type of way to position or anything that's coming through um you know the financial markets are hard to predict um and it will continue to be that way um i think for me one of the things that i've latched onto and started reading up and learning a lot about has been how uh people have been connecting digitally particularly around online learning and things Mm -hmm. there so with education taking a big shift into the digital space and a lot of universities and other schools uh running their courses remotely uh remotely that's um you know seen the equivalent adoption increase of the likes of Zoom and Teams, right? And it's just like overnight, um, these companies that have been around, like Nisa Blackboard and stuff, been around for ages, um, but are still around and now getting uptake and usage like never before. And that's made me think about how we can protect um, and ensure like validity and authenticity of things digitally. Um, So I'm talking about um, you know, like testing and proctoring. I don't know if you've ever taken one of those online exams for like a, a Google or a Salesforce or a Microsoft or whoever, um, and they have a digital proctor. You know, you need to have your webcam there and you need to they need to be able to see your screen and your hands and can't have anything in your ears. You know, and they do all these things to try and prevent people from cheating. Um, 
And that led me into thinking about, of course, academia as well as just accreditation. And the digital proctoring market's actually been under a lot of pressure. They don't have enough people to do the volume of tests that they're required now. You know, when they have, um, uh, you know, limited number of test takers per proctor, effectively, or a person who watch you. So I started researching um, online gaming, actually. I don't know if we've discussed this mm. much, but um, online gaming is very interesting allegory if you're talking about like high performing teams you know um people go into collaborative um groups where everybody has a defined role there's absolute clarity of objective in terms of what the team is trying to accomplish um and you know they've been collaborating digitally in order to do that and so um there's a lot of opportunity for cheating in online games of course and so within that context it's been fascinating to me to start learning about the different methods that they use for like big online games in terms of how they prevent cheating and how some of those may be relevant or applicable um, to other areas like education that are only now um, I guess ushering themselves into the fully kind of digital landscape um, so security. Wow, what are some of the ways that they're doing that? Man, it's crazy. There's something called like Punk Buster and there's a bunch of stuff. I was reading all about it. across <laughs> the wiki. And, you know, because they're like hackers and gamers and stuff, um, it is all well, um, I guess, named. And it's got like funny leet speak and numbers and letters and things along those lines. But Punk Buster specifically is um, one that scans the memory of the machine um, that's running the game um, to look for anything weird, basically, right? So if um, when programs and stuff run on your computer, um, they use temporary or like persistent memory on your computer um, and they're like storing and reading and receiving data so it can show up on your display screen or your monitors or it can do whatever else. Um, and so this is one that scans um, what the game is basically saying to your computer and what your computer is saying back um, in order to see um, if there's anything fishy or that looks um, weird. But there's so many different um, types of anti-cheating methods. Um, some of them come down to player supervision, you know, so there's like a spectator mm -hmm. functionality where um, admins or people can watch players and see if they look like they're cheating. Um, by either watching their screen or even sometimes the live stream of the player themselves. Um, and that helps them kind of flag and deal with disruptive behavior. And that's potentially one of the places um, where uh, things like statistical dis detection become really interesting. So I had a friend who worked risk at Amazon, right? And so they had to look for like fraud and different things like that. And um, they developed algorithms that identified things that were very likely fraudulent to then escalate to a person because you can imagine if you had to like monitor everything that's untenable and so you know the smaller a proportion um that you can escalate to people the more efficient they'll be um and you yeah. know the better you'll be able to kind of hopefully identify all those and so by just looking at patterns basically in players behavior and different things they can be like "Ooh, that looks a lot like cheating maybe we should um flag this and so the humans who are reviewing this, as opposed to monitoring, I don't know, hundreds or thousands, then have a very small subset of like pre-qualified um, things to dig into. Um, and that, for example, could be one of the applications into learning management and like test proctoring. You know, if you've got a one-to-one -one or one-to-four relationship between one person watching four people take tests at a given time, if they have that ability or capacity, um, 
if you could scale that out to 40, you know, to one um, by using um, machine learning and things to identify people who might be cheating or likely cheating and help focus the proctor's attention, um, then, you know, you'd reduce the burden on just getting more bodies and seats to watch people and stuff and could actually um, use technology to replace that. Um, There's a few other kinds of ways that games um, will specifically like prevent cheating that are less applicable to like learning management or test proctoring. But um, again, like real niche, real small um, example of like one thing, online test taking basically and how those are administered and proctored um, that's under pressure due to the changes and we'll need to see some kind of um, evolution of the tech um, that's fueling it. And, you know, yes, yes, that's, that's fascinating. First of all, because, um, I haven't taken any of those Salesforce tests or anything like that, or Microsoft tests, but, um, my mom was the Dean of a law school when I was younger and to make some extra cash while I was in university, I actually worked as a proctor at the law school. And I can remember like walking up and down for like four hours, making sure these, these law students weren't cheating or looking off the back of their hands where they'd written something and, this is just to imagine, gosh, that would have been, I don't know, almost 20 years ago, not quite, to imagine that then to the conversation we're having now is just, it's mind boggling. So it was kind of a, a trick question, I guess, to ask you where you think things are going to go in the next two to five years, because, wow, um, like you said, that's just one tiny niche thing where we can we can take, I guess, learnings and different algorithms and, and data from other places and then apply them to what the world might be like in the future. And that, you know, that schooling, I can see with my daughter, she's day two of uh, what they're calling distance learning. They're using a lot of Google teams. They're being asked to create uh, videos for like PE. They're having to learn to juggle at home because they know kids can't go for (laughs) runs or too far, which has been fantastic for all of the glass in our house with the balls. um, Yeah. Close to it. Um, but you know, these kinds of things I think are the, the beautiful and important kinds of changes that then not specifically this one, but I'm sure other things that come out of these moments of reset will help businesses and brands grow and become uh, inextricably linked to consumer behavior in the future. I love that. Um, when I was thinking about the new normal and I was thinking about the next two to five years, I was thinking very simply about a conversation that Carly and I had this morning. And she said, you know, I really love working at home. The first two weeks it was hard because we were trying to figure out the tech and we were trying to understand how to sign in and, you know, what the actual, (laughs) what the actual system within uh, the business could handle. And she said, now it's like, it's quite nice. We don't have to drive anywhere. There's no traffic. Um, I've got a handle on the tech. I have more quiet time to create. And I was like, wow, maybe in the next two to five years, there will be less and less of a need for people to go into offices because um, the tech itself will become much more of of a helper instead of something that's kind of there in case we need it. Yeah. And I'll be excited to see how it affects collaboration. You know, you've been talking about workshops and that's something that I found really interesting and have been working through myself, you know, um, we got real sprinty and real agile with the team, um, you know, over the last 18 months or so, and then have a lot of collaborative working sessions with clients. So then the concept that all of a sudden um, we had to manage a way to do those remotely has been really interesting. And we played with everything mm-hmm. from like Miro boards and Microsoft whiteboard and, you know, all the different ways um, to try and 
recreate or in some way enhance um, what that collaborative process looked like in person remotely. Um, and that's another place. Gaming is really interesting, right? Um, Discord uh, is a channel that gamers use for chat, basically, and have used for chat for ages. Um, but it differs from, I guess, Teams and Slack and everything in the concept that there are rooms. And there are rooms, quote unquote, which are just like little channels that people hang out in and talk it's voice chat primarily um mm -hmm. and you can do screen sharing and whatever else if you want to stream but the concept being um like there's just people hanging out in a room and you can hop in and out of the room whenever you want to you know what i mean and listen and pipe in or not there's no expectation it's not like email or chat right it's quite different concept that like i could just hop in right now and there's a few people in there who are doing whatever they're doing, whether they're working or playing games or doing something else. And there's just like this always on kind of chat. It's almost like walking into a room and out of a room in real life. Um, and I've been wondering and watching to see if more of those things are going to pick up um, as well. Just, you know, getting beyond the chat um, kind of texting uh, or even video calls all the time and just looking at um, having a place where you can pop in and there are people hanging out and you can chat and you can leave and you know it's um different social norms are associated with that kind of engagement and everything else but um you know looking at places where digital adoption has already been um i guess the norm uh, so specifically in these couple examples gaming and then seeing um if there seems to be anything that might end up sticking more broadly yeah that's been an interesting one um i know for the last well, as I, as I exited the corporate world, my plan was to do a lot more of uh, workshops and seminars and, you know, in real life speaking and all of those kinds of things. And obviously, since we can't see people in real life, um, and you and I have talked about this too, it's like, how do you, how do you change that to make it better? Because some of the frustrations that I personally have had um, with the tech that we're using right now, things like Teams and Zoom and all of that, which I love. I absolutely love them because at least it means I get to look other people in the eye is exactly what you just said. It's because there's, it's more of a video chat. It's more of a webinar style where people can, you know, put an emoji and, ra and raise a hand or something. It's not as um, flowy as mm. a room with mm. people where we just want to banter with each other. And, you know, maybe one part of the workshop could be in a certain room and another part of the workshop could be another, and you can walk in and out of the rooms dependent on, on how you wanted to learn or the best way that you wanted to collaborate. And I feel like there is a super flex there if it comes to, you know, what a new normal could potentially look like. It would be taking the best of all of those different worlds and going, if we truly want to collaborate, we're going to have to change more than just, um, and I know it's nice manners. If you're talking, I don't talk. If I'm mm -hmm. talking, you mm -hmm. don't talk. Like when we're in a room together, sometimes we just like crack up and laugh at the same time where you go, ah, I've got that same idea. Yeah. So that translation into tech, I don't think is quite there yet. We're close-ish. Um, and there's still like, you know, um, every other meeting, people who try start talking at the same time and stop and start and stop, and, you know, and like, uh, 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 no, you go, you go, no, uh, you go, uh, you know, and like that kind of stuff, which we're still working through. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it'll be real interesting to see how much closer, I suppose, we can get to what I think we've talked about before. What I've my ambition for remote working solutions is not as good as it's better, you know? Um, yes. And so there should be the opportunity to make remote working better than um, 
in-person working due to, you know, like the different capabilities of AR and VR and multiple screens and da 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 um, But yeah, we're definitely still very, very far from that. I'm waiting for those days. You know, the, the where they, I guess like 20, 30 years ago in the movies where they, they had this imaginary like whiteboard that was on glass and you could move things and somebody was 200 miles away and they were moving things on the same like, whiteboard style piece of um i don't know technology i would love one of those right now Mm, (laughs) because it's mm. just like you built that i'll build that we scribble here and i know there's there are things you can use on a traditional laptop or computer or desktop and people can get in and they can draw on Mm. things and we can share documents but it's the actual to your point like how do we utilize the ar the vr how do we get that as the better because mm. right now, I think a lot of people are missing going into a room, being in a meeting room, breathing the same air and going, we're going to rip this together right now. We're going to do it here. And it is hard if, I mean, even right now, you're on one side of a recording um, on the other yeah. side of the bridge as well. <laughs> and I can't even see you. So it's like, uh, 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 sometimes, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so there's that piece of, of where we might be going. Um and I wonder how the uh, adopting of new tech, the adapting to it, and a new way of working that um, probably includes a lot more uh, remote of a workforce, I wonder what kind of um, an impact it'll have on products and businesses. Because if we all start to become more of a remote workforce and we're all at home a little bit more, I imagine that opens up new opportunities for new kinds of ads, new kinds of products, new kinds of ways of being. Um, do you find that as an opportunity? I think so. Um, always looking at a growth mentality, you know, um, and how how can better um, both ourselves and the way we interact with people and everything and this is um, no exception. If anything, it's a greater opportunity than you see in many cases to grow, right? Because um, with change and chaos um, comes um, an onus, if not an opportunity for growth. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, it's been really interesting personally, right? Um, whether I'm looking at how I work professionally or how I interact with people personally or um, the types of relationships that I manage and maintain. Um, yeah, I think growth is a good theme and looking to harness and kind of uh, approach with open arms, you know, um, to see what yeah. we could use um, in the future and not being afraid of what's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Yep. What about yourself? Do you think that, yeah, I agree with you as well. I think, I don't know, and maybe that's just the way that... Um, we're wired. And I know a lot of the folks, uh, our colleagues um, are wired that way too, is to go, wow, okay, this is happening. We're going to sit in it because we're human too. We're going to feel it. It's, it's weird. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. Mm. Uh, We might never see uh, our, our agencies. We might never see our clients the same way again, but I think we'll see each other more as humans. And I love that. I think that is a huge part of, of growth regardless. Um, but I feel like this might also be in you. And I talked about this maybe three podcasts ago. We talked mm-hmm. about literacy around um, data and consumers and all of this. I feel like because so many of us, regardless of what we do for a living, 
are now learning to use tech differently. We're more um, aware of the platforms that we're using, how they work, how algorithms work, how data collections working. I feel like this is a point in history where um, we're going to be able to speed up digital literacy on a mass scale. Yeah. Um, which means that maybe a lot of those issues we talked about with trust and inherent trust and in platforms that that can sometimes be unethically broken, I feel like this is a, a really cool point in time for people to grow and learn more. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. And, you know, you. I've, I've, it's actually funny. I've seen people um, who are like, oh, you got to be productive and learn a language, read a book, do whatever. And then, you know, the memes and the online kind of retorts and responses from people who are just happy um, chilling at home and not doing as much or whatever else. And I think it reminds me of the struggle porn conversations people would have when, you know, they look at like people like Gary Vee and everything else. And they're like, oh, you know, like this whole um, putting the concept of struggling and hustling like and everything else on a pedestal um, as the only form of entrepreneurship isn't right. And there's a work-life balance in there and there's everything else. And so I've just seen more of that, right? It's been one or the other for people. Some people are like, yeah, it's an opportunity and I can learn stuff and do stuff and I've got time and oh boy. And other people are like, yeah, I've got time and I'm just going to kick it and this is great, (laughs) you know, like, and they're quite content. I don't want to say complacent. Complacent care is a negative connotation, but um, content. Um, and I don't know, like I envy the contentment. You know what I mean? I wish I wish I could do that. Same. Very uh, much so. And if anything, like I do even, I've, just, I've always pushed for productivity. And I was talking to my sister and she was kind of making this point to me. But I was like, yeah, but this isn't a lockdown thing, you know? Like this has been always. Like I'm just like, you know, always trying to be uh, more productive, do more, um, engage more, like learn more. Um, so no exceptions here. It's actually given me a lot more time to get my hands dirty again. Um, you know, getting out of constant meetings, um, but actually getting able to be back on the tools a little bit and brush up on some new tools that have been coming out. And, um, like I said, uh, learning all about things like how people cheat or prevent cheating in online games and what, um, universities are doing with their remote working systems and what the implications might that be um, on how we work and collaborate together in the future. Um, so I'm, I'm using the opportunity to learn as much as I can. Uh, also. See, I think re- that's neat because yeah, the more you learn right now and I know what you're like, you're wired, you're curious, you know, you're, you're wired to learn more. I feel like you've taken the time you're almost like the anti-hustle, but at the same time, contentment to use learning. And I feel like the more you're learning about these things, when you move forward and we start to understand the new normal, you'll be able to put pieces together much faster and look and see and find opportunities, whether it's products, services, an insight out of data you're seeing. I feel like that's that's a boon for this time. And when we are running at BAU, when we were, sorry, running at BAU, we didn't take the time to do this and it's so yeah. important. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and you know, you're just making bets on what the most important thing to learn is going to be right. Um, you're investing <laughs> time right now and hoping for a return, um, and being able to apply that knowledge or information in some way. Um, so I'm definitely looking at that. The other thing I've found really interesting is to add a side out of mind play, um, mm. happens with friends, happens with clients, colleagues, anything. Um, because, 
yeah, you don't bump into people in the hallway or in meetings or like have, you know, random um, interactions at the um, you know, restaurant or grocery store or anything else. Um, it's really like if you're not talking to somebody on the phone or video calls, they're not thinking about you at all. Right? Their kids are screaming in the background. They've got other things to deal with, other people who they are talking to and emailing. And you can very easily kind of, I guess, neglect um, a relationship and then... It feels like, yeah, three weeks later, you're picking up from scratch, basically, you know, and have to get your head back into wherever it was um, previously. So there's a real drive for like proactivity, I think, of communication as well, even just little chats and stuff. Yeah, I've heard so many people say, isn't it amazing how the humble telephone call has made such a, a yeah. growth moment, right? Or had such a big growth moment right now, because it's like, people have to learn now to just pick up pick up the old blower and have a, have a conversation and check in on people. And if you've got, if you're a salesperson, you've got to be checking in on your clients. That top of mind is so important. Um, while you were talking, I was thinking it was so interesting because I had this wave of weird calm hit me today because in a different way than it was to run into like, say you at a meeting or a colleague in the hallway, I have felt a really neat surge of, connection with other people like new people because I've had to to get my fix my little social fix is I've been doing pod podcasts and live casts and through those different channels which maybe before I wasn't concentrating on different people have been going hey I saw that podcast can we talk about a project or hey I heard this thing can we hack together some ways to work together and it's been an interesting way of having those hallway conversations with a broader community. And it's weird to think like that, but it's been a neat way for me personally to like go, wow, I am here with two other humans and that's it. But my world is kind of broadened. And isn't that a neat little bit of happenstance? Yeah, um, it is. It's, yes, yeah, it's just real cool, man. Um, and even culinarily, <clears throat> I've been cooking so much more because we've had to, which is fine because um, I was real bad at it. But then um, just like revisiting pockets of the culinary world that I haven't seen in a long time, you know, because I haven't been cooking as much. Oh. And I've always loved. What are you cooking? I made some gnocchi and like a pomodoro last week, which was mean. I haven't made homemade pasta in a long time and missing like Francesco's gnocchi at a Point Chev and some of those places. Um, oh. so that's that I, made. I made some mean stews. Me and my slow cooker have become really good friends again. Um, because I have time to start it um, during the day. So I can just chuck a bunch of stuff in and like, you know, tend to it um, throughout the afternoon and come evening, I've got like a huge um, slow cooked meal ready to go. So that's been pretty mean. Um, made some Arabic food, made some tacos. What about you? What are you making? Well, our child is the happiest I think she's ever been um, in her almost 14 years of life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Same I've always, always loved to cook. And before I was in the corporate world, um, man, I was, I was actually looking back on it, a pretty mean little cook. <laughs> and we've, we've been getting into like the basics again, just like you've done big hearty meals full of lots of veggies and flavor. Um, we haven't had any flour this side of the bridge. So nice. <laughs> any flour we can find goes into I'm doing heaps. I think like the rest of the world of banana breads and yeah. joa lobes and little 
they're healthier than they should be, but I put in maybe just a little bit of sugar <laughs> so that both of my girls think that they are not healthy. So I'm getting lots of good veggies and grains and things into you're my family, them? but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I love to do that kind of shit. It's great. Um, <laughs> but taking the time, man, because even when you go to work, um, early in the morning and yeah. you blast your brain all day, you come home and you know, you want an hour to veg and then you're going to blast your brain again. The last thing you want to do is chop vegetables or, you know, yeah. prep a meal. Yeah. So this has been awesome. It's been fantastic. But one bad, bad side effect um, has been that I am, I'm eating potato chips. Like mm-hmm. I literally will never see another potato chip. It's not a good thing. It's not, so it's good. not good. I've been snacking. <laughs> I never snacked and I never really, like I was a big, especially like I've lived alone for ages and I've gotten quite accustomed to eating on my own schedule, which has become a like really one good meal a day kind of schedule. Um, yeah. And, and now that I'm a grocery shopping heaps and have fully stocked cupboards and fridges and sitting at home all day, started like snacking more. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel you on the um, the challenge there, I suppose. I've been trying to like do better snacks, but I also have stuff like chocolate, like about a bunch of Whitakers and stuff. And I have like little ice cream bars in the freezer, which I normally never have. Right. Like probably yeah. do to the frequency at which I normally would visit a grocery store. Um, but otherwise it's just like, yeah. So, um, lots of stuff like that at hand, which has been good. I'm still working through the Miller's coffee as well, but I'm worried I'm starting to check. Oh. Um, hopefully they, they're still going or can be still going soon. Um, I'm going to find wherever their channels are that they'll communicate that information and, and figure that out real quick. Um, because that's our one thing, coffee. Mm-hmm. We're missing that so bad. I know. Um, well, and, you know, the, the ritual, I've even had a, a morning coffee with someone I used to get morning coffees with as well, like we would do in the past. Um, and we just kind of did it on the phone and that's just not the same, man. I don't know what it is. Um, popping down to, you know, the little alley there on like cross street yeah. and like into the back and smelling the roaster going and, you know, seeing the different people come through and having the FaceTime and doing the things like that is still something I miss. Um, but yeah, finding as good of a digital yeah. alternatives as I can. Yeah, I think as a as a nation, I couldn't be prouder of New Zealand right now, um, especially after watching with horror in many instances, a lot of my friends back in America going, oh, it's Easter weekend. I will drive from California to Florida. And mm-hmm. you're like, what? For yeah. what reason? Yeah. Oh, just to just to have Easter with your family. Not mm-hmm. ideal. But Kiwis are like doing really well. But I feel a huge longing for and a real empty space in my heart for yeah. just seeing other people. I had um, a big boohoo. I think it was two days ago. And Carly looked at me, bless her heart. And she was like, you just really miss talking to people, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, man, I just love to chat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's, it's not, it is not the same when you and I go down to Miller's and like the old dude starts to get the coffee roasted <laughs> and the young funky guy up at the till already knows your order. Yeah. It's just cool. So. Oh, and uh, God, uh, I don't, what I would do for a piccolo right now. I mean, I've got pretty good oh. coffee set up here, but, um, steaming milk isn't something I've had to do at home. Like I'm happy to drink black milk at home, but I'd usually grab like a little piccolo or mini flat white or something somewhere. Um. 
So that's going to be nice as well. Getting a properly steamed um, milky coffee beverage after we're through here. Listen to us. We're such spoiled humans. I know. Definitely <laughs> first world problems, like huge first world problems. But you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> you know, Brene Brown says we do not compare our suffering. There's no comparative suffering. Nah. We're allowed to. <laughs> we have compassion for, for all suffering. So Mama yeah. Brene says it. Thank you. I listened to her. Fair enough. That's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Definitely. Compassion for all suffering, even the really privileged. <laughs> privileged suffering. Even poor Ellen, who yeah. is just getting nailed right now. Yeah, yeah, Have yeah. you seen what's happening with Ellen? Nah, what's going on? <laughs> poor Ellen. She, I mean, bless her heart. She's, she's in her mansion in LA, and she miss i think she misspoke and she said it was kind of like being in prison yeah and so everybody jumped onto you're in a 15 million dollar mansion in la where the sun is shining you don't want for anything and then she she kind of went oh shit no sorry but people are just like a dog with bone right now they're not letting it go yeah. um but i love ellen one of my life goals is to have a, a margarita with her so really i feel, I feel for her. you know compare there's no comparative suffering even ellen's having a hard time yeah. she's a workaholic man can you imagine i guess you can't imagine because you're a workaholic in your home too but you know the, her whole life's been thrown asunder too money doesn't doesn't make it uh better so mm. but that's a whole other podcast cue yeah money <laughs> money never makes it better um no but oh, we could yeah. Should that should that be the topic of our next one? Um, Ooh. Hashtag what is fulfillment? Okay. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I think we should. I would give it a go, man. Um, I'd be really interested in hearing what you think on that one. Um, I I think we should. That would be a really really interesting topic to think about for the next few days. Mm. Um, and I think, yes, fulfillment. I think we'll have done. interesting different takes on it as well. Cool. So, what is it? Stay tuned for the next episode. We'll dive into fulfillment oh, for you. And you Claire. are not off the hook. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> You're not off the hook. I've got some some fast fire questions for you that you were unaware of. Oh no. So, fast fire question right here, right now, at this point in time. Give me your best hot take for your isolation song of choice. Ooh. Um, okay, actually, right now, I'm going to give you um, the one that I've been um, listening to. Basic, I, I listen to songs basically on repeat most of the time, particularly when no one's here to judge me and I'm just at home. Um, and someone that I've really <laughs> been enjoying, um, the song called The Finishing um, by a group called Stavros. Never heard it before. Um, real cool. Um, so definitely recommend checking it out. Okay, we will check that. The Finishing by Stavros? Yep. Perfect. Okay. I know we already talked snacks, but what is your go-to snack right now? Uh, you know those little flattened pretzel things you can get at the grocery stores oh. here? Um, so I've been getting those flattened pretzels and then like, I don't know whether you're dipping it in a pesto or um, in little cheese things or whatever else, but those pretzels nice are amazing. I even crushed some up on a pav. Um, oh. <gasps> what? Yeah, yeah. Oh my Protein. gosh. Salty pretzely oh things on sweet things are amazing. <gasps> what? Wow. Okay, you just blew my mind there. Okay, question number three. And I think this will be the, the last question too because you're going to just imbue this with so much wisdom. 
top um, tip you can give to people for the next week. So we are into our last week of lockdown. What can we do to have um, a more positive outlook? Like what's your top hot take on positive outlook for the next week? We're almost there. Um, I'm really excited. Um, well, I guess I'm proud of what I've seen come through in the, um, you know, numbers New Zealand's been putting up, um, and kind of how people have been treating this. So I'm excited to, um, check out what the government said stage three will look like. I think that'll be really cool. And with any luck, um, get a little bit close to a sense of normality, whether that be new normal or old normal. Um, in the coming weeks as we come out of the kind of four week lockdown period. Um, so that, that I'm just interested in seeing what changes. So like, I'm not fussed really whether we are not in lockdown anymore, you know, and it's, it's not like I'm saying, all right, yep, I'm ready to go back out. I'm happy to deal with whatever the recommendation is, but I'm just keen for the new news. You know what I mean? And to see, um, how the government's been viewing this and what the next steps are, um, for us as a, a nation and a society. I'm just, while you were talking, I Googled what's on stuff and it says live alert level three. We will have more freedom, um, but we will be staying in our own bubble. So Kiwis will be asked to stay at home and keep to a slightly larger bubble of family members um, as we move forward. Um, Just like when you're recovering from an illness, you still primarily stay home. So they'll feel the same as they do now, but more things um, will be opened up and they will give us more information. So it looks like we'll be moving into a different level three where we can um, expand our little bubble um, to a shared car, a de facto partner, extra caregivers, construction and forestry businesses will be able to resume to work and businesses that can maintain physical distancing um, and prove that might also be able to open up, uh, but cafes and bars which deal with customers face-to-face won't be opening. So, hey, that's that's a change. But so delivery food um, back on the table. It looks like delivery food will be back on the table. I can. I can um, that. That's cool. <laughs> yep, funerals and weddings can be attended by no more than ten people. Yeah. Um, and basically they're saying like this is going to be a little, you know, a squeak further out, a squeak further out until um, we really have this under control because it looks like we've had fifteen more cases overnight and for a small island nation that's that's a a formidable number yeah but wow yay cool heading into um a new reality again next week so the next time Um, we talk fulfillment man who knows we might be sitting having a coffee in an extended bubble uh don't tease me yeah all right that sounds great (laughs) i'm looking forward to that one um Thank you so much, as always, for your time and chatting through all these interesting topics with me. I can't wait to talk through fulfillment. I'm um, really looking forward to where you come in on that. Same, same. Take care of yourself, Q. Um, Send me some recipes, bro. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Sounds good. I'll get you on the (laughs) chain. I'll get you on the chain. Yes. All right. Have um, a nice rest of your day, and uh, we'll catch up soon. You too. Bye, Kissy. Thanks, Q. Bye. Bye.